Okay. Do we want to try to make some more quality Patreon content here, or do we want to start this fucking episode? I will stop eating a sandwich so we can talk about this fucking movie. This movie that made me want to drink NyQuil halfway through. <laughs> like, it could have been an hour shorter. Fuck me. It was so... Jesus God. I watched the whole movie on 1.25 speed. Okay. There were so fucking many shots of airplanes landing. <laughs> I mean, I guess like the Air Force has to get what they paid for. Most of them weren't even Air Force planes. They were just... I... It seems questionable. Okay. Okay. I guess we can start. Okay. Because we've kind of already started. Yeah, whatever. We can fix it in post. Are you ready I'm for ready. this episode? I, I, I am ready for this episode, but not for this jelly. Okay. Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler, we extremely don't. Song, theme song, theme song, theme song, that's DuckTales. Everyone loves theme song. Here in Duckburg. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> we watched a movie called, um, I believe it was called establishing shots the movie yes it was um the movie was i believe titled um obscure and distant danger i think it was called um military porn the movie it was called copaganda the movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um No, in all seriousness, folks, we watched a movie called Clear and Present Danger. A Jack Ryan movie. The Jack Ryan movie. Because that's important. I noticed. On the cover of the DVD slash VHS box. (laughs) One thing I did notice about Jack Ryan is he works for, I think, the CIA, right? He does. And. His middle initial is P. I saw that on his business cards. So it, if you read it kind of fast, it's Jack Pryan, which is what the CIA does. Prying? Yeah. It all makes sense. It, it, all, it all works back into the title. Do you know what this movie was about? I know it. I figured it out. Yeah. No, this one was, I mean, like. Okay, so this movie kind of cheated for us in yes. that um, there were brief moments where they were where the characters were speaking Spanish and they had English subtitles. Yeah, that didn't really help my comprehension, but I'm so fucking good at watching silent movies now that I can tell you exactly what this movie is about. Do you want to know what it's about? What's it about? This movie is about an elaborate government plot to cure 
Jack Ryan, Harrison's for Harrison Ford's character of his compulsive outfit switching addiction. See, the way that I read the movie was that it was actually an origin story for the development of neck drug. Okay. It was definitely a very drug forward movie. I will say Mm -hmm. I normally, and this is how the U S government got their hands on and the control of the supply of neck drug. Oh shit. This is a through line. I wasn't expecting. Cause like I went into this as like, okay, drugs. Yeah. It's not as fun to read weird drug conspiracies into it if drugs are an explicit part of it. But you're saying that while drugs are an explicit part of the movie, the conspiracy is still well hidden. Yes. Okay. Okay. I like where this is going. So there's like, I I think with each of our, I, I, I think with the action movies that we watch that there is this through line of what if neck drug? What if neck drug? And like, that's also why Jack Ryan compulsively switches his outfits. Yes. Because they haven't developed the advanced form of neck drug yet. So are you saying his whole suit is the patch? No, I'm saying that his patch leaks a lot. So he has to keep changing his outfit. Okay. Because he's got neck drug stains and he doesn't want people to know that he's on neck drug. Shit. Shit, 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 shit. This blows the whole fucking thing wide open. This changes the whole movie. And like, that's the, that's the thing. James Earl Jones, who I just named Vader because why not? Uh, I, I named him James Earl Bones. Okay. Because that, that man that's fucks. Fair. That's very fair. <laughs> so James Earl Jones is in late stage withdrawal from neck drug, and that's why he dies in the movie. Okay. See, I read it as he boned too hard. See, I, I really went deep into this idea of it being like, part of the neck drug franchise i like where your head is at so let's run with that okay so do we want to like run through like the main plot points of the movie yes point one paramount that's what i've got on my chest (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even have a quip for that (laughs) oh god um okay so the opening of the movie is about boats yes we start Um, on like a a coast guard pt boat yes with a big gun i assume this is like somewhere in or around Miami. Uh you know, it's the water. It's it's the water. But like it's the it's it's a big pool somewhere in California. I mean, the movie's about drugs and most of those drugs come in through Miami. That's fair. Okay, yeah. I um, also watched a lot of Burn Notice when that was on TV, so like <laughs> that might have colored my expectation. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. So the Coast Guard boards this boat, which was called the Enchanter. 
and they find like a bunch of blood and shit because one of the guys on the boat is covered in blood. I was fucking. So out the of thing it. that I got out of this is that the dudes on the boat did not own that boat. The boat was owned because nobody names their boat the Enchantress unless they're white. That's so true. I assume those two dudes on the boat did a moita. Uh, I I think that is implied with all of the blood, yes. And I assume, based on the fact that they immediately then had a meeting in the Oval Office about it. They murdered the president's friends lover. or lover or coerced intern. <laughs> yes. Um Oh, now that you mentioned President's Friend, some other scenes are hooking up in my brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so while they're having that meeting in the Oval, I, like, immediately got a bad read on the guy wearing the glasses. With oh, the, like, yes. Really yes. deep blue eyes. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> my notes are like, okay, I'm getting a bad vibe off of Glassesman. His yep, eyes are same, too blue. Same. It's giving me vibes that are not chill. They are setting up Glassesman to be a bad guy. I I caught that as well. They were real not subtle about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I also remarked that, I, or I rather, I named the president President Bad Suit because all of his suits were really badly cut. Uh, this was the, a theme in this movie was suits and bad wearings thereof honestly i think it might just be that people w- wore terrible suits in the 90s that's possible there's a scene where harrison ford is wearing a brown suit and he does not look good in a brown suit fortunately he changes it 30 seconds later <laughs> i can't because tell he got if- neck drug stains on it I can't tell if this movie is supposed to, if like the early scenes are supposed to take place over like a few days or if this dude does actually just fucking change his clothes constantly or if it's just kind of unmoored from time, which also would make a lot of sense. I remarked that this movie does a lot of fast travel. Yeah. So I assume it's just unmoored from time. That makes sense. I'll allow it. Um, So I tried to do a little bit of lip reading in this movie. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. The one thing that I got was from that scene where the president was yelling at his chief of staff in the Oval Office, and he says, I want you to bring me his socks. (laughs) So I assume this was a sock quest. Mm, Maybe that's why his neck truck into a sock. That's why they did uh, they did an imperialism. (laughs) did an imperialism against a man who I named Dr. Kill because he looks kind of like Dr. Phil. I named him um, knockoff Pablo Escobar (laughs) because he was a knockoff Pablo Escobar. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he was. Um, I did also notice that the president has what looked like a bag of Legos in a glass jar on his desk. I did not observe that, but that's interesting. (laughs) I think it might have been like they meant it to be jelly beans, but it didn't look real. So like as like a reference to Ronald Reagan? Yeah. I guess. Because I feel like this is supposed to be in that kind of era. Like a little bit Iran-Contra, sort of. 
Yeah. A little, little bit war on drugsy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did notice uh, that knockoff Pablo Escobar has a penchant for playing sports in locations you would not expect those sports to be played. Yes, I saw that as well. Like bunker baseball and bunker bowling. Yeah, I am not sure what his deal was, but I think that might be part of of a, a greater plot that I didn't fully catch on this watch. It's honestly, it's a shame that they left it to only two sports because they could have played Bunker Badminton. Oh shit, that'd be so good. Right? With like little miniature um like bomb shuttlecocks. <laughs> Shuttlecock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there was another plot that I noticed throughout the movie in addition mm-hmm. to the neck drug plot. Okay. And it was um Basically, multiple times throughout the movie, the one character switches from Willem Defriend to Willem Dafoe and back and forth. Yes, I did notice that Willem Dafoe was in fact in this movie. No, but sometimes dick shots, he was though. Willem Defriend, <laughs> and sometimes he was Willem Defool. He was definitely Willem Defried. That suntan was out of fucking control on him. Yeah, no, that was that was a lot. This whole movie was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot of movie. <laughs> Just sort of time-wise, it was a lot of movie. There was also some, like, serious non-sequitur in this movie. Yeah. Like, when they were in the FBI security meet, na- like, national security meeting, and the one dude's talking, and then some dude is like, holds up a note to the only woman in the office new boyfriend question mark like stop flirting during national security meetings this is this is this is the woman that was like super horny for the drugman was it really i couldn't tell there were too many redheaded women in this movie yes yeah no it was her i'm pretty sure interesting okay I wonder if the mic picked up my cat sneezing. <laughs> uh, I I I do have questions about their relationship. Like, where did she meet him? At um, TraderCon. TraderCon ninety four. TraderCon ninety four was hosted in uh, Luxembourg. Yeah, this is actually when uh, Trader Joe's was founded. Speaking of which, uh, R.I.P. Original Trader Joe, because that dude uh, apparently died recently. Poor Joe. He was. 89 and that's I think, an old that's an old joe I, I think they all had to wear black hawaiian shirts for the next week <laughs> uh, sorry i got distracted by a pretty girl oh i'm okay with pretty girls good distraction um yes I agree. Okay. So yeah, Pablo Escobar stand-in, or Discount Pablo Escobar. Dr. Kill. Or or, um, Joseph Escobar, because he's the Trader Joe's brand of Pablo Escobar. (laughs) (laughs) Jose Escobar, the Trader Joe's brand of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> 
sells Joe Kane. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we should really get through more of this movie. It's like two and a half hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, This movie was so fucking disjointed. I had so much trouble following it. It was a lot of B-roll and establishing shots and like stuff would happen in one scene and then transition to another scene with like a camera pan. And just like a completely unrelated shit. And there were like... 800 different plot lines. Mm-hmm. So, like, God. basically, the plot line... The the plot line that I got was that, like, the U.S. was trying to corner the neck drug market, and yeah, Jack Ryan was responsible for, I guess, preventing that from happening. I, even though he didn't realize it until, like, halfway through the movie that the U.S. government was behind it all. Yeah. But, like, there's some, like, very serious war crimes that happen in this movie. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of child murder. Mm -hmm. There's multiple child murders. It's, like, very war crimey. And, like, fucking just exploding the fuck out of, like, what are probably, like, indentured workers. Yep. I mean, that's pretty on brand for the U.S. military, so... It's very on brand for the U.S. military, particularly in the global south. Yeah, um, we get a scene where there's like a bunch of military dudes, and I think they're trying to like solve the mystery of who didn't clean up after their dog. <laughs> Elaborate. Well, they're just kind of walking around in the grass, and then they find a McDonald's wrapper. Mm-hmm. And then someone gets a talking to by Willem Dafoe, which I think is what I, I have it. I I only vaguely remember this movie and I did watch it like an hour ago. Um, but I have this thing in my notes. I'm just going to word for word read this. <clears throat> Ramirez, what's the thickest hog you've ever swallowed? <laughs> God, it feels like half of this fucking episode is us doing laugh breaks. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, Taco. Taco. Pause. I have to put the cat in the bedroom. Okay. If you want to vamp to keep the audience entertained, I'll be right back. Yeah. All right. Kidnapping time. So, audience, it's me here, just Kira, all alone. Cat has abandoned me, but it's okay. I'm going to tell you a secret. And this secret is Harrison Ford changes clothes so many times that he literally stuffs a tie into his pocket 
after putting a tie on his body. What is this man doing? I don't know. He needs to make sure that the rest of his outfit ties in. <sighs> uh, I was disappointed because I thought that was going to be like Chekhov's tie. Right. And he like uses the tie to like strangle someone or whatever. Yeah, but no, he's just wearing it in the next scene where he's being questioned by Congress. Right, because he needed to change out his tie because the other one got stained by neck drug. Yeah, he's and he's being questioned by Congress, so he has he can't look neck druggy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the members of Congress I did notice is Senator Mayo. <laughs> that, that got me. <laughs> so that happened. Um, there's also a scene where Harrison Ford's wife like kisses him goodbye mm-hmm. and it it's just like a quick peck and i couldn't help thinking to myself imagine getting paid to kiss 90s era harrison ford and not just going full bore with it right like what are you doing you have such a golden opportunity it's <laughs> like okay bye okay bye like tongue me harrison <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, we're both gay. Yeah. But, like, it's Harrison Ford in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I think they all go to, like, Columbia at some point. Yeah, it's there's a whole lot of Harrison Ford, like, seeming to be mildly confused and somehow mm-hmm. turning that into a successful career in intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of their trucks get blown up and a bunch of CIA agents get killed. Yeah, we finally get like an action scene an hour into the goddamn movie. This movie could have been so much shorter. It it didn't have to be two and a half hours. It really did not. This movie could have been an hour and a half. <laughs> Max. Yeah, so it, they, basically a bunch of CIA agents die and that can't go unanswered so now we have to do a war crime yeah so they like fucking bomb the shit out of a house that has a bunch of kids at it right because they determine that there's a 90 percent probability that he's there yeah based on his voice he's not he's not there though is that what the 90 percent probability was i really i mean i wrote in my notes 90 percent probability of what movie of what <laughs> I think that's where they're investigating the death of the redhead woman mm-hmm. who was trying to bone down with the drugman and he kills her for unspecified reasons. Yeah, so like I have two important things in my notes here. The first one is how are the Americans supposed to be the good guys here? Spoiler alert, they're not. Yeah. And second major note was, could they fucking give Willem Dafoe smaller binoculars? <laughs> well, you know what they say about small binoculars? Large hog. Colossal penis. <clears throat> Just a fucking titanic tube. Just a fucking <laughs> torpedo we're talking like, like the size of that fucking submarine that that Jack Ryan's son was playing with at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> We're talking USS Enterprise <laughs> nacelle level dick here. Wait, which Enterprise? D. 
the Enterprise D, of course. Duh. Mm-hmm. Um, I did note that the missile CGI was extremely bad. Oh my god, yes, I had that noted too. <laughs> Specifically, I definitely, I definitely made a note of that. Yeah, real bad missile CGI. Um, and then the fucking cartel is like investigating, and they enlist the eggiest scientist I've ever seen. Now, when you say eggy, do you mean ovoid? No. Or do you mean like a closeted trans person? I mean like a closeted trans person. Do you remember this human? Um, the one who like looked at the microscope. And that was their entire role in the movie. I'd like vaguely remember that. I remember that character. I just don't remember what the actor looked like. Uh, extremely achy. Hey, let's IMDB this. Yeah. So while you're doing that, this is about the point where I went off the fucking deep end on this movie where I just basically stopped taking notes because I have no idea what the fuck was happening. It it was it was that bad. Um yeah, I can't find the actor. I give up. It's fine. It's fine. No worries. I think I just accidentally snorted turkey. Fun? Sometimes I'm bad at basic facets of existing. I don't know. I, I did make a note that they had James Earl Jones on a respirator, which was kind of funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch that somehow. Oh my god! Yes, like that. That got me. That got me hard. Yep, I fucking died. That'd do it. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. I found the egg scientist. Oh yeah. No, I I see that now. <laughs> that's that's definitely an egg. Yeah. This is completely irrelevant to the audio medium that we are recording mm -hmm. in. But you know what? Fuck it. Do you want to put like a Judge John Hodgman and start a uh, show Instagram and like post the weird pictures we talk about on the show Instagram? <sighs> we could just post them on Twitter. Yeah, I guess. But we can post it right now and the episode won't come out for like a month and then people... <laughs> that is a very good idea. And I think <laughs> I'm going to go do that now. Uh... <laughs> um, they, let's see. God, what even fucking happened in this movie? I don't remember. At that point, like, Harrison Ford starts to realize that the US government are the bad guys when, like, the president's chief of staff meets with the cartelmen. Okay. And then he starts trying to print some documents. But Glassesman, who we pegged as untrustworthy at the beginning of the movie, starts deleting the shit that Harrison Ford is trying to print. Oh, yeah, in real time. In real time. Which, like, is also considerably faster than computers would have worked back then. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was real good. <laughs> There's a cool, like, hacker sequence. Mm-hmm. Um... Oh, then he, he Harrison Ford slams Glassesman up against the wall and starts yelling at him. And he does the Harrison Ford finger point. Yes, I saw that. I was so happy. <laughs> like every movie he's in, there's one scene where he confronts someone. He gets real close in their face and he points his finger at them. He does the, yep. Yep. That's the Harrison Ford finger point. This is a little... <laughs> it's at this point that I started getting very angry because it looked like Glasses Guy was going to get away with his shit. 
Um, but fortunately, Harrison Ford, being a notorious computer whiz, manages to hit print screen in time to get one document off. Right. Now, keep in mind, this is like a Doogie Hauser computer. So print screen actually did something other than take a screenshot. Yeah, it literally printed the screen. Um, but of course there was tension because the printer was out of paper. So he had to find paper and load it into the printer because that's how printing works. That's how printing works. And also definitely didn't need to be in the movie, but it did make the movie longer. And I think that's mostly what they are going for is length on this one. Not girth. Definitely not girth. Well, girth was you know, probably handled by Willem Dafoe. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I did do one more bit of lip reading. <laughs> um, okay, so at this point, uh, James Earl Jones becomes a force ghost. We're almost done with the movie. Yes, we're so close. Kind of. We're like 45 minutes from the end. It, 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 the movie actually became an action movie for the last, like, half hour. Yeah. Fortunately. So Willem becomes Willem Dafoe again instead of Willem Dafriend. Yeah. And he kidnaps. He kidnaps Harrison Ford. Yeah. They do a fast travel. Yeah. Um, then, like, they send Harrison Ford in with the tape recorded evidence to um, Trader Joe's Escobar compound. <laughs> Trader Jose Escobar. <laughs> Um, and I, I, the lip reading that I did was when he knocks on the door, it looks like Harrison Ford says the password's password. So like, you I know, guess you... I wouldn't put that past them actually putting that as a point of dialogue in this movie. That's fair. Um, I made a note though, cause there was some really good set design and it might've just been them reusing set pieces for the sake of the budget, but the couches that. Uh, Trader Joe's Pablo Escobar had were the same couches they had in the White House. Ah, dang. So whether it was intentional or not, it set up a really interesting sort of like parallelism between the president and the cartels, which is an interesting commentary when you like kind of think about it. I feel like that was probably intentional because it's the Tom Clancy thing. This movie felt like... This definitely felt like the stuff that they were doing would have been intentional rather than like an accident, like something like the man from Earth. Yeah. Um, yeah, they clearly did things on purpose. Yes. Like, I'm sure it's a fairly I, I'm, I'm sure this is a big budget movie that's well made. Could have used some editing for time, I feel like. But I guess that would cut out a lot of the military porn. And not, like, the poop stuff. I mean, I don't disagree. Um, I genuinely don't know how this movie is resolved. Because all of it is done through dialogue. Uh, I think, like, um, Cartelman, the guy who has been, like, the mole through the entire movie or whatever. The one who, like, traveled back and forth to the U.S. a lot and had that redheaded girlfriend that he murdered. Um, he was, like, playing both sides. Uh -huh. So he was trying to, I think, secure the neck drug business for himself by playing the U.S. Oh, government and the cartels. Okay, yes, this makes sense. 
Do you think he is Donald Sutherland's grandfather? It's possible. I think this 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 shot we're missing at the end of this movie is a young Donald Sutherland walking up to the corpse of his grandfather and pulling a little computer chip and pulling off his Mandalorian helmet and putting it on. Well, I was going to say pulling a little computer chip out of his suit coat pocket. Well, that's a, a floppy disk. Well, because this this movie had floppy disks. It did have floppy disks. What if it had a, a computer chip thing, USB stick that what if there's time travel involved? Ooh. Yeah. So are we saying that neck drug is actually from Colombia in the 90s and there has to be time travel in order for them to procure it, which is why neck drug is so expensive and starts interstellar wars? Okay. The recipe is from the future, but it can only be manufactured in the 90s. With ingredients from the 90s. Due to cosmic background radiation levels that existed then. I like this theory. Yes. What if it had to do, not with cosmic background radiation, but with CO2? Okay, but if we get cosmic stuff involved, maybe... Okay, well, I guess CO2 would make sense. And it's actually just that the planet of the future is too ravaged by global warming. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And one thing that the time... An unintended consequence of the time travel is that some strange space-time rifts are created and a giant bird from an antimatter galaxy is transported to Earth in the 1950s. Uh Uh-huh. It's all connected, if you really think about it. It's all connected. It is all connected. It's all, except for Jesus. He's just doing his own thing. Right, right. So are we positing that there is an Unsound Theory verse? Absolutely there is. Okay. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah. Oh, absolutely there is. You know it. We can't make this podcast without having our own cinematic universe to play around in, in that space. Yes. Did we finish the movie? We didn't finish the movie. The movie ends on a congressional hearing. Yeah, the movie ends on a congressional hearing after Willem Defriend and... Jack Ryan fly off into the sunset. There's a confrontation with the president. And I think Jack Ryan testifies against the president at the end of the movie. And that's why he's in a congressional hearing. He's saying the president committed major war crimes. Yes. But you're not going to do anything about it because y'all are from the same party. Yeah. That sounds about right. Okay. That's the end of the movie. Mid-roll. It's time for mid-roll. Mid-roll. Mid-roll music here. Boop. Hey listeners, this is Kat. And this is Emma. And we're here to talk about some very exciting plans we have. Chicks with Dice is starting an actual play podcast. The Same Coin is a brand new series exploring the socioeconomic underpinnings of the Star Wars universe during the New Republic era. We'll be following two parallel campaigns with unique casts of characters as they explore the backroom deals, bribes, and betrayals that help keep the galaxy functional. The first episode of the series will air on Thursday, May 21st, and will follow a bi-weekly release schedule from there. We hope you tune in to check out this absolute labor of love, but in the meantime, live long and prosper. Cat, that's Star Trek.
Jizz. Hello, listeners. Well, we're back after a couple of months' hiatus. The last few months have been incredibly difficult for everybody as we all deal with the effects of the pandemic. This crisis has hit us pretty hard, and we've had some difficulty getting back on our feet. We want to thank you for sticking with us as we find our footing again. I'd also like to take this opportunity to personally thank our patrons for supporting us through this crisis. To Absurd Bird, Claire West, Improbable Joy, N.Reed, Cuberry Muffin, Tokriva, and Zeratek, thank you. Your continued support has helped us to keep our hosting costs covered. Thank you so much. We really couldn't do it without you. If you're enjoying this podcast, we really hope that you'll tell a friend about us. Comedy is best enjoyed together. If you want to help us make more of it, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash sosasmedia. Benefits include early access to episodes, Patreon-exclusive episode cuts, as well as show-specific perks like suggesting a film for Kat and Kira to watch. Thanks for listening, listeners. Let's bring it back to Kat and Kira for some more unsound theories. Okay. Do we want to exit mid-roll? Exit. Stage. Mid-roll. Exit mid-roll pursued by bear. Yes. That's a Shakespeare joke. A Shakespeare joke. Jokes so good you could shake a spear at them. Okay. Um, now that we've talked about the movie, do you want to go through uh, Wikipedia so we can talk about the actual summary? Yes. What was this movie actually about other than neck drugs and suit changes? Clear and Present Danger is a 1994 American spy thriller film based on the Tom Clancy novel of the same name. It's preceded by the 1990 film Hunt for the Red October and the 1992 film Patriot Games, all three featuring Clancy's character Jack Ryan. Okay. This is the last film version of Clancy's novels to feature Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan and James Earl Jones as Admiral James Greer, as well as the final installment directed by the director who directed it named Philip Noyce. <laughs> Noyce. Noyce. <laughs> so, uh, the discovery of the murder of an American businessman, Peter Hardin... <laughs> Hardin. And his family outrages pres- U.S. President Bennett, Hardin's personal friend, when Hardin is found to have been connected to Colombian drug cartels, from which he skimmed over $650 million. Bennett tells James Cutter, his national security advisor, that the cartel represents a, quote, clear and present danger to the United States, tacitly instructing him to use force against the men responsible for the murder of his friend. Jack Ryan, appointed acting deputy director of intelligence after Vice Admiral Jim Greer is stricken with cancer, asks Congress for increased funding for ongoing CIA operations in Colombia, believing the funds to be for advisory purposes only. Keeping Ryan in the dark, Cutter turns into... Sorry, Cutter turns to... He doesn't turn into anyone. That's a different kind of movie. (laughs) Uh, Keeping Ryan in the dark, Cutter turns to CIA Deputy Director of Operations Bob Ritter to take down the cartel. Ritter assembles a Black Ops team, codenamed Reciprocity, with the help of John Clark. The team inserts itself into Colombia with Clark running logistics and Captain Ricardo Ramirez of a SFODA team commanding the squad on the ground in clandestine search and destroy missions against the drug cartel. Meanwhile, Bennett sends Ryan to Columbia to investigate Hardin's cartel connection. Uh, What does SFODA stand for? Oh, it's the Green Berets. Okay. 
Sephora. Yes. It's how you pronounce Sephora if you have a weird accent. Or your nose is stuffed. I went yeah. to Sephora. <laughs> um the cartel leader is responsible for uh, the cartel leader responsible for Hardin's murder, Ernesto Escobedo, is enraged when the U.S. attempts to claim the six hundred fifty million dollars that was stolen from him, and has his intelligence officer Felix Cortez try to retrieve the funds. Bennett sends FBI Director Emil Jacobs to meet Ryan in Colombia and negotiate for the money. When Cortez discovers this, he plans an ambush, engineering it so that suspicion will fall on Escobedo. Ryan barely escapes the ambush by cartel hitmen, but the remainder of his entourage is killed. Escobedo then summons a meeting with other cartel leaders, which Clark's team hits with an airstrike, but Escobedo is late arriving and survives. Cortez discovers the American involvement in the strike and meets with Cutter to broker a deal. Cortez will assassinate Escobedo and take over the cartel, promising to reduce drug shipments to the U.S., and allow American law enforcement to make regular arrests to make it appear as though the U.S. is winning the drug war. In exchange, Cutter will shut down all U.S. operations in Colombia and allow Cortez to hunt down Clark's soldiers. Cutter agrees and orders Ritter to get rid of all evidence of their operations and cut off the troops in Colombia from all support. Ryan is played a recording of the conversation between Cutter and Cortez. He hacks Ritter's computer and discovers the conspiracy unfolding in Colombia. The reciprocity team is ambushed in Colombia by Cortez's mercenaries. Ryan arrives and convinces Clark to allow him to help. They find the team sniper Chavez, who tells them that Ramirez and a squad mate have been captured and the remainder of them have been killed. Ryan visits Escobedo's mansion, saying the password is password. That's not actually the summary. <laughs> Ryan visits Escobedo's mansion and shares his intelligence on Cortez. Enraged, Escobedo confronts Cortez, but is killed by Cortez's associate. Ryan, Clark, and Chavez must rescue the prisoners, kill Cortez, and escape. Ryan confronts the president and tells him that he intends to form the congression to inform the congressional oversight committee about the conspiracy despite the damage it could do to his career as he walks out of the oval office cutter asks to speak with him but ryan ignores him ryan then begins his testimony for congress roll credits so we there's a few things we missed but did we i think we got it what did we miss uh, the part about like the uh, um, the CIA guy like striking a deal with the drugman. I thought we talked about that. No, I have it in my notes. Well, we didn't talk about it, which is fine. Oh yeah, no, because I I did want to talk about it because there's the part where like the CIA just uses a label printer to label everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because there was, like, a, a laser microphone, and it was yes. labeled laser microphone. Yes. <laughs> like, a like shitty label printer. text. Oh, it was so good. That was... Fuck, that was good. That was amazing and an absolute classic. Yeah. I'm gonna start labeling all of my stuff, like, covert operations equipment. <laughs> uh. Okay, critical response, box office accolades. The film was nominated for two Academy Awards. Are you ready to hear what those awards were? Uh, is it sound mixing again? It's best sound and best sound editing. God damn it! <laughs> honestly, I, honestly, I think Emma now at this point is looking through the <laughs> nominations for best sound or best sound editing to send them to us. 
Because this is this is this 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 What are we doing with our lives? This is too much of a coincidence at this point. Yeah. I think we've uncovered a real life conspiracy. Okay. Um so do you want to hear budgetary figures? Yes. The budget was $62 million, and the box office was $215.9 million. So this was very clearly a success. Yeah. I can't believe she picked another movie that was nominated <sighs> for Best Sound Mixing and There's Best no Sound way. Editing. There's no way that wasn't on purpose, right? It had to have. Like, this is a weird movie to pull. So, like, I have to assume. Yeah. Emma, well done. <laughs> keep being you yes okay <laughs> after all that uh amazon reviews amazon reviews what the fuck are these people talking about here we have a three-star review from robert lowe titled action and reagan bashing always love harrison in these series Good action, but every time I watch this one, I'm reminded of how obvious it is obvious it is to me in degrading what appears to be President Reagan and his former policies and staff. My imagination? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> I mean, like, this movie was pretty obviously about the Iran-Contra affair, right? Yeah. Uh, we have another three-star review from David. I'd watch it again. Doritos for the brain. They taste really good, but no nutritional value. Okay, so I've got a couple of one stars. Okay. Just so we don't, like, accidentally dox this guy. First name redacted, DiMaggio. Gave it one star. Dot, dot, dot. This is the title. Dot, dot, dot. Would they put an action character in the most boring role ever of being an advisor to the present? (laughs) Why would they put an action character in the most boring role ever of being an advisor to the present? He had two shots to write president. This validates our time travel theory. Our time travel theory, though, they know something. This person knows something. Maybe. I got, I've got. i got another good one. Um, this one is one star. The title of the review, one star. The content of the review, Excellent movie. (laughs) Sure. Uh, A three-star review from Bob G. Sample of reciprocity is the title of this review. And the text of this review is uh, vexing. I will begin. Strange emphasis on one small sample of quote-unquote reciprocity between the feloniously corrupt gooferment of the loony tide studs of Mirka with domestic (laughs) and foreign poisoners and thieves pales in comparison to 2017 metafraud and polytachium quote-unquote legalization of poisoning citizens with socially toxic marriage you wanna i think this person is on a whole other level (laughs) like can you link me that review because i i just wanna like (laughs) i wanna see what their other reviews are 
because they must be on some other level or some other plane of existence. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I don't... That, that review has intrigued me to the point where I want to, I want to spend a moment living in that person's universe. <laughs> the feloniously corrupt gooferment of the loony tide studs of Mirka. <laughs> Bobji, what else have you reviewed? <laughs> I want to see what other things Bobji has reviewed. Well, you dig. Great plot, but not a family movie is the title. As with many movies, this movie has a pretty good plot and good actors, but it doesn't have family value. There is quite a bit of vulgarity in this one. I would suggest looking elsewhere if you're interested in solid family values. Oh, Bob G has some good ones. Oh, really? Are we going to change this to the Bob G Amazon review segment? Uh, potentially. Um, <laughs> there's a review of... Um, there's a review of The Glory Is Gone Season 1, where the title of the review, Monogamessy Complications. <laughs> what? Uh, beyond the underlying subservience to felonious enslavement in the what? divorce racketeering, felony tax evading, religion gang, fraudocracy of quote-unquote marriage, the Season 1 Episode 4 promotion of Marriage Yuana, styled as hashtag cannabis... <laughs> was a show killer while the quote wrongful killers of more than 20, 250,000 Americans per year and torturers and maimers of unreported additional thousands have gotten away with their promotions of the brain and liver lethal toxic chemical alcohol <laughs> with their felony religionist inspired inflection of object rape con condoms what <laughs> what on the former places of worship of hetero religion this latest promotion of socially destructive marijuana has gone even further beyond their prior felony abrogations of humanity and civil rights particularly absurd was the character Tom's suggestion that boys naturally quote want to try everything out when the reality is that as the criminal gang pushers and malevolent social trustees such as metafronts who are entire who entirely underlie the entire set of criminal attacks followed by tom's subservience to the narcophony lesbians inquiry is our pack leader a scaredy cat typical of the manner in which criminal pushers prevail on only partially cognizant to join in consuming marriage Juana. since such criminal purpose promotions of gang inflicting human and social poisons appear to be the objective of this television series of episodes I discontinued watching <laughs> what the fuck is that reviewing I don't know <laughs> it's the strangest thing I've ever read <laughs> and then there's a comment from Amazon customer who writes Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 God. 
<laughs> He's got some sort of like anti-religious bent <laughs> that is like it just <laughs> so incredible. I it. <laughs> we have to save more of these reviews for future episodes. I'm going to bookmark this. Oh my god. Holy shit. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? Oh my god. That was better than all of our podcast episodes combined. I know! Why can't we be, like, completely bad shit insane theories, conspiracy theorists? Oh my god. Anyway. Thanks for listening. We sure didn't. Uh, no. No. No, we are not ending on that. <laughs> because there are more bad Amazon reviews. <laughs> I can't. Nothing's gonna compare to Bob G. <clears throat> I've got a good one. Uh, this one's a one-star review. Format DVD. Bad tap. Won't play. Thank you, Jeff. And then it lists Jeff Jeff's actual Gmail address. <laughs> oh my god, Jeff. You've done so bad. Jeff. Bad tap. Won't play. Thank you, Jeff. Is he thanking himself? I think he's signing it. Oh, it be like, thank you, comma, Jeff. Okay. But also, he's the format is DVD. Why is he re- why is he leaving a review for a bad tap, which I assume <laughs> is just him misspelling tape? Uh, VHS tapes haven't been a thing for like twenty something years. Yeah, well, this person left his Gmail address in an Amazon review. He's probably like ninety four. Oh God, you know, I I have to say, I'm looking through Bob G's on the reviews. I think we've hit the only good one. Really? That's so sad. But like, okay, do do you think Bob G thinks he's clever with these like really weird word plays where he compares weed and marriage? Yes, he does think he's extremely clever. This is clear. Uh, But also the way that he refers to religion as like felony tax evading gangs is a through line in every single one of his reviews (laughs) oh shit except i guess the review that he gave for the pill cutter that he bought (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's so on brand i don't want to like actually like tell you more about this person's Oh, no, I just needed to set it to reviews only. There's more of these. Oh, God. Yes, yes, yes. No, save them for future episodes. This is a gold mine we can't give up. This is absolutely a gold mine. Yes. Okay, yeah, I have this bookmarked. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, God. That was... That was a fucking episode. We have one one quick five-star review from Mike Hamilton titled, Well Worth It. Everyone should watch this movie. It will show you how the government really works. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I, I have to get ready. I have another podcast coming up in 90 minutes. Well, good luck with that. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. We sure didn't. Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Unsound Theories, as well as at So Says Media. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash so says media. We also have a YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on YouTube for more queer comedy. All music used on this episode was created by Sounds Like an Earful. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>